All right, this is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring the Yay. And speaking of Central Works, we have a fantastic guest, Tammy Berlin, also yes. a member of Central Works. How are you, Tammy? Great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, no, she's formerly of Oakland Public Theater. Yes. But, ah, but then she now, went see, to I didn't know Works. that. Yes. Yeah, wow. Such rich memories, such rich, you know, you know, it's like family reunion, huh? And then I look forward to talking more about her because... So I got talked into doing this Eugene O'Neill play, The Great God Brown. And I was like, what the hell? And Tammy's like, oh, actually, you know, when I was in college. I love that play. And she came up with this brilliant concept. We will talk about it more later. Yeah, I remember Colin Hussey, when he was on, he talked about Great well, God Brown. Well, it was Brown. his idea. Right. I got to give him total credit for that. It was his idea to do the play. And I read it and I went, this is weird. I have no idea how to work this. And then Tammy was like, well, what about if we did? The masks, the whole mask idea. Yes. Ah, that was your brainchild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Right on. How long ago was that? Oh, boy. That made been like maybe 2003 Yeah, that was something. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Alrighty, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that and other things. And this is on Wednesday, so this is because we're going to be busy this weekend. <laughs> I, extra busy. Yeah. <laughs> As of tomorrow morning, extra busy. So it's only been a couple of days, but Norman, how is your day? Holy cow. A couple of days. Oh, fuck. So I thought, and it's funny because I just posted this. Yeah. Um, with that, uh, there's a photo of me doing um, UCSF Medical does. Uh, yeah, they bring I saw in you in the, uh, the smock or whatever they yeah, call the, it. Yeah, the, 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 that thing where your ass hangs out. Yeah. Um, which was really useful today because that's what they, they needed to do your heart. And in order to do that, they have to drop the front of your gown. And then they need to get all the way up to your stomach. Mm. So they need to like reach all the way up under your gown. I'm glad I was wearing clean underwear today. Um, <laughs> but I really thought a month ago that I was going to be unemployed at this time. Like I actually was filing for unemployment. Mm-hmm. And then I got a message saying, hey, we actually had somebody drop out because they schedule these stupid standardized patient things months in advance. And mm -hmm. I've learned as an actor, if you want me and you want to make me want me to make the commitment more than two months out, I will make the commitment mm -hmm. knowing that I will just say, screw you. I'm, I'm out when I have to, because if it were a union job, the union says there's a clause in all union contracts that says more remunerative employment. I'm going to get paid more by these people. I'm out. And it tells you how much time you have, which is, I think, as little as 48 hours. Mm. So I had auditioned for SF Shakes. I did not get in the cast. They had lots of black men. And all of a sudden, I got this message saying, oh, would you be available to understudy? And I said, well, this weekend is my mom and my stepfathers well they celebrated their 50th anniversary in the spring but we as family are celebrating mm -hmm. it this weekend golden or silver anniversary i never know 50 whatever 50 whatever is 50 i don't is. know okay. i don't know do you know gold? golden it gold? is golden okay oh shit so i gotta get some gold <laughs> anyway <laughs> okay um so i said that was my big conflict and as an understudy and the show okay. opens next week so these are going to be run-throughs, which is what I need. And actually, it isn't. Tomorrow is like the final scene. And then over the weekend, they're going to do the run-throughs. 
I'm like, I, Saturday and Sunday, I'm not here. I got to be gone. And so if you want me, you, you want me. But let me know before this week because I've already booked the stupid standardized patient thing. And they didn't get back to me till Monday to say, yes, yes, we want you. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to tell these people I'm not showing up tomorrow. And then they helped me. They said, well, you, you would have to have your COVID test. So we assume that 72, it has to be within 72 hours. So we assume we're not going to see you this week. And I said, I can go get the test today. And I did. Monday afternoon, I went and I got tested. Mm-hmm. I got the results back today. I'm negative. I'm, I can publicly say that. I'm, there you I'm go. negative. Um, but I said I didn't know if I'd get it today or tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I finished up the two days of standardized patient thing. But I walked in yesterday and said, I'm gone Thursday. I got an acting job. And you hire actors. So if you weren't ready for this contingency, which they are, mm-hmm. they always have people sitting in the green room waiting so I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm out, out, out. Yeah, and I wouldn't worry about that sort of job. I mean, I'll be worried more about, you know, <clears throat> you know, stepping away from a theater job and right. <laughs> they're about to go on stage and yeah. you have to cancel out. That, that so sucks. I am understudying Pander, who is the pimp for mm-hmm. those people who don't understand Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the pimp in the play. He is pimping out Pericles. It's Pericles is the play. He is pimping out Pericles' daughter, who Pericles thought he left with some trustworthy people, but they immediately sold her ass to a brothel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, she's been pimped out, and he's at the point where he thinks his daughter is gone. Oh, they lied. They sent him a message that his daughter's dead. And his wife, he thought, died in childbirth, so he thinks his wife is dead. So if you haven't seen the play, that's where we are in S.F. Shakes season they did Mm -hmm. four episodes they've done one through three Mm -hmm. and at this point in the play he believes his daughter is dead he believes his wife is dead and then we get to episode four which is the end it's Mm -hmm. act four and act five alan coin is in this right alan coin i'm gonna be on stage with alan coin i'm gonna be on stage with amy lazardo I'm going to be on stage with um oh gosh oh geez my wife is leontine you know, oh, Leontine. you're kidding. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm like, what? I, I, I get a scene with Leontine? I wish I was single. Oh, God, I wish I was single. <laughs> no, so, I think you're – go ahead. <laughs> no, it's just – so it's a crazy week for me yeah. because I got – I'm getting the contract. Like, I'm signing the memorandum of understanding tonight. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow I walk in and I will actually get paperwork and I will sign that and I will be an official member of the cast. Mm-hmm. They've already announced to the cast I'm doing this. And then Friday, we drive to L.A. so I can go say hey to my parents. Mm-hmm. And then I come back, and I'm doing a show wow. that opens in like a week. <laughs> and Hey, this is a charm life. I mean, you know, you're, you're up, up and doing things. And I'm very happy about, you know, your parents. 50, 50 years, a lot of wow. folks just do not – marriages uh, do not survive that long, you know. Well, let me tell you, when you get days. to this age and mm-hmm. somebody says that to you and you just do the math and you go, 50 years ago – Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, 50 years ago, no problem. And then that other part of your brain goes, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> 50, that's half a century. That's my lifetime. I mean, you know, they were married when I was born. I was a baby. Yeah. So No, it's insane. Yeah, my parents are 58 years. That's, a, that's incredible. That's incredible. That's awesome. And when you talk to, no, when you talk to <clears> them <throat> about it, they are like, okay, yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in this day and age where, you know, especially with social media and dating and 
people are just breaking. I mean, you know, my my parents. I mean, I, I think it's safe to talk about this, but they were, you know, they were divorced twice. My, right. And my, you know, dad's like, okay, I'm tapped out. Uh, you know, and a lot of folks just don't believe in love anymore, and people just lose the concept of just learning to live with one another. Right. And you know that there are faults. They know that there are flaws. And there's so many young folks who are like, oh, you know, I just don't like this about him or her. And let me see if I can find somebody else on, I don't know, right. Tinder or whatever it is. And just learn to live with one another. Well, you know? for everything. Because as you get older, it's not so much about the, can I find a sex partner? At this point in your life, if you haven't figured out how to make sex work with just about anybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a fool. I'm sorry. Sex is this wonderfully flexible thing. So that's more, it's more, can I talk to this person? Yeah. Do I like being next? Yeah. And feel free to jump in at any well, yeah. time. You don't well, have to be quiet. Well, you know, I've been married 20 years. Oh, see? <laughs> you're halfway there. Almost halfway there. <laughs> I thought you were married when I met you. Uh, no, Mm-mm. no, we weren't married yet. We we've been married twenty years, but we've been together okay. almost thirty. Okay. I didn't get married till I was thirty-eight. I was scared. Yeah. No, and we met when we were like uh, I'm going to say twenty-three. Wow. Twenty-four. Yeah. And. Uh, so we knew each other for a very long time before we actually started dating. We were actually just roommates and both oh. were in relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I guess at the end of the day, <laughs> he was still around and I was still around. <laughs> Rick, yeah. is, Rick is fantastic. I mean, both of y'all are fantastic, but I'm like, yes. I well, I think he's fantastic. <laughs> yes. I, I love him. He's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, you spend enough time to know if he could drive you crazy, you can drive him crazy. And you're just like, no, we're still, you know, so mm-hmm. there you go. Well, it was funny because when the whole lockdown for COVID started, we said this is our trial run for retirement. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we got through it. Neither one of us killed the other one. So I think we're golden. There you go. Yeah. That's what it's all about. See, those, those are the stories I want to hear. My, I have an aunt, I'm not going to mention her name, but after 20 years and when the kids left to go to college, he ba- uh, the guy basically says, well, that's what, I've got another woman, I'm out, see you later. Right. Oop. And it just, that just devastated her. Yeah. So It would be devastating. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm glad to hear the, the good story. It tells me that love is still alive. Love can still happen. Oh, they're very happy. And they're putting up with this because a couple of years ago we had a Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and all the family came. And my stepfather really was not happy about the way that went. And so, and I recognized it. So I, I called him on it and, uh, and he admitted it. And I said, well, the thing is, dude, in a couple of years, you're about to turn 80. We are going to celebrate your 80th birthday. You don't have to come. You are a guest. <laughs> you are welcome. But you don't have to come. So don't feel like this is about you. If you need it to not be about you, don't worry about it. We are going to celebrate that. And I think that conversation set him up for this this event this weekend. Because oh. I think he just sort of relaxed. He was no, just like, he, t- oh, he took it well. Because okay. well, it's the same deal. It's at my brother's house. They are, are planning on coming. Mm-hmm. They might spend the night. They usually don't, so they may not. They'll stay as long as they want to stay, and they'll leave when they want to leave. And when they leave... That's kind of, y'all can get the fuck out now, and we can just hang out and, and share our memories and have a good time. Yeah. But if they decide to stay, wow, what a party it will be. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So uh, there are a couple of current, I mean, we've only, you know, we just had one on Saturday, so not a lot of couple events since then. But it's interesting what's happening with COVID-19 and this whole friction between those who are vaccinated and not vaccinated. The NFL 
have basically said, I think really the t- the the owners of teams right. have said, listen, if you're not vaccinated, you're not getting you're on not the coming field. In. Yeah. Cam Newton, head quarterback of the Patriots. Um, I'm trying to look. Uh, Lamar Jackson of the Ravens. Right. Kirk Cuttons of the Vikings have all, for whatever reason, have said, I'm not getting vaccinated. Right. Which has put the team in turmoil because oh, these are their lead quarterbacks, so they don't know what they're going to do. I just it, it, it boggles the mind because I don't understand. So, I mean, football players are one thing, but just right. general people. I mean, we were just talking, Tammy, before we cut on the mic. Their children, who I was just reading in the Washington Post oh, yeah. in Louisiana, you know, their yes. children in ICUs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, ICUs are full. The children's ICUs are full. Yeah. And your kids are going back to school in states where they're not necessarily requiring masking. Yeah. And Tammy, you were talking about uh, the, uh, the Floridians are suing Ron DeSantos. Yes, yes they are. because Nine counties. Well, my parents live near Tampa. And the first week that the kids went back to school in Tampa, they had 7,000 children yeah. test positive. Oh, yep. for God's yep. sake. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when Trump or some Trump was saying, well, these are old people, you know, and young people are right, right, right. infected. Yeah. Not true. Delta. Yeah. It's, it's really, really horrible. One last piece. Uh, this is, I don't know. Wait a minute. Man. I do not see infrastructure on your, you've got to, you've got to include that. Oh, tell me about this. They're both passed. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. So the infrastructure, the little bill yeah. that was bipartisan already passed the Senate. Good. And they've created in the Congress the rules to talk about passing it, but it's real close to passing. And one of the rules is they got to pass the big one. So they've agreed to discuss setting up rules for the big one. Mm-hmm. And if the big one goes through, that just needs reconciliation. That does not need the Republicans. So this stuff is real close to the tipping point. That's good. That's really good. And it comes at a good time because, you know, Afghanistan is, I mean, not, yes. We got to get there too, yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, I really appreciated what Biden says. Hey, listen, because usually presidents are like, hey, we're going to defeat terrorism and we're going to kill Al-Qaeda or ISIS or, you know, whoever they are. And Biden's like, listen, we've been doing this. We've trained the Afghan, you know, rebels to fight. If they don't want to fight, I mean, how can I continue to deploy right. troops over and if over again? If they won't fight again? for themselves, right? We need to do something, but yeah. not war. And it's and it's tough. I mean, Biden is, is between a rock and a hard place because this is something we're not used to hearing presidents. You know, he's yeah. giving us a bit, uh, you know, yeah. the truth. And Republicans, I mean, they can use this for midterms, right? You can't to say, handle hey, the truth. They can't. He can't get us out of Afghanistan. If somebody dies in Afghanistan, well, we can do it. So I don't know. Well, so far, no Americans have died on this withdrawal yeah we'll so. see there's still i think there are about a thousand five hundred who are still trying to get out yeah. so that's tough um one last thing this is just potpourri sirhan sirhan do you remember sirhan sirhan of course. absolutely yeah who killed rfk he is seeking parole and the prosecution are sort of going for it they're they're not opposing it at all i don't know if that's a good thing or a now, bad thing. is I mean, he an 70, american city a uh, citizen i think he's palestinian so if they get him out on parole, will they just bounce him? <laughs> they they could. Of course, he can claim American citizenship. I mean, basically what the prosecution is saying is, well, he's old. He's 70, I think he's 71 mm-hmm. or something like that. He doesn't pose a threat. I don't know how people feel about that. I mean, um, it's funny because I do work in parole court sure. <laughs> at the DA's office. So we do work on getting people help when they need it, not just throwing people in jail. 
But, uh, you know, RFK, I mean, not to get into a history wonk thing, but think of what history would be had RFK lived. There well, may not be an We'd accident. be in a different world, but I, I also feel like they did what government does and kind of says, okay, we cleaned it up, here's the report, and we're moving on. And this seems to be a whole lot more that was going on there than they were willing to look at. So I don't need a scapegoat. He's been scapegoated for, yeah. you know, half a century. Who, Sirhan? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done. I, don't, I wouldn't mind if he stayed in jail. I do not care if he gets out. Yeah. Uh, no thoughts, Tammy? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like um, there's a whole lot about that that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems suspicious. Yeah. I mean, uh, really, all of the 60s. I mean, I yes, was, all I, those assassinations. The 60s are suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 65, you have Malcolm X yeah. died. And then you have, um, of course, John, well, John Kennedy in, in 63. And Martin. And then Martin Luther King in, in 68, and yeah. then, which was April 68. And right. then June of 68. Yeah. Even Lee Harvey Oswald, two days after killing the president, boom, he's get killed by Jack right. Ruby. Yep. And then Ruby gets killed in, in right. prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, well, you know, let's just wash our hands and whatever. Exactly. I mean, it, it must have been an incredible time living during that time. I think we have a president that if he chose to could start to wash, our, really, truly wash our hands of this stuff. Oh, by I, releasing information? but really, And going after some stuff. Being willing to let those prosecutions really move forward. Yeah. I'm not saying he will. I don't know that he cares. But what I love is he's so old, I think there's a lot that he just doesn't give a fuck about. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot that he will just go, you know what, fuck it, let's just take care of this. I might be dead in two years. Let's just do this. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I don't, and I don't even know if the new generation even cares about, you know, they, we'll have to remind them, like, who's Sir Hansen? Let me, let me Google him. Let me yeah, find out whatever it I is. I wouldn't care. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's jump into it. Tammy Berlin, um, give us an origin story. Uh, where were you born and raised? Well, I was actually born in Aurora, Colorado. My uh, father was in the Air Force. Wow. So I was born there. But I left Aurora, Colorado when I was two days old. <laughs> oh. So I did not spend a lot of time in Colorado. And I grew up in Plainfield, Illinois. Wow. Oh, yay. I'm a Hoosier. Close, ah. to, close to Chicago? It's about 35 miles outside Chicago, southwest. Yeah. Okay. Siblings? No. Only child? Yes. Right on. And uh, an only grandchild on one side. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Oh, they love you. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I enjoyed being spoiled until, you know, my sisters and brothers came along. But I had like a 14-year run. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, were you involved in theater when you were young? I actually started out as a child model. Oh. Ah. So, yeah, if you run across some, like, late 1970s Montgomery Ward catalogs and J.C. Penney catalogs, you might come across a picture of me. Oh, nice. Um, and I did, I did that for, you know, quite a while. And then it was sort of like this, I think it was sort of a weirdly natural progression. I did that, and I was a dancer. Mm. And so, you know, when I got into high school, they were always trying to get me to be in, you know, the musical, the spring musical, because right. I could dance. Mm. Right. <laughs> and, you know, could kind of carry a tune so that's sort of how I got into theater but I remember as a kid I used to always put on shows in the backyard we're having mm. a big show in the yard <laughs> and I don't know I, I was such a weird like little kid. With, you and, with you and your friends because I would think yeah. oh wow okay Me in the neighborhood cool. um 
And I did. Re- I do remember when I was in first grade, I wrote a play. Wow. The only time I've ever written a play. Um, but I think it was just sort of like a natural kind of, you know, when you grow up sort of being in front of people and, and which is, you know, the modeling and dance world. I think that it is a, a way to go is into theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I started doing plays and stuff when I was in high school and then went to college for theater. Wow. Now, did you want to be an, an actor? I mean, was that yes. your, your destination? Okay. Yes. That's what I originally wanted to do. And then as I started doing it, when I was in college, I switched over from being an acting major to a directing major. And then after I left college, I was a director and I was artistic director of a couple of theaters in Chicago and um, just sort of naturally started doing costuming because there weren't a lot of costume designers around and really sort of fell in love with it and felt like that's where I belonged because I did have this weird sort of background in fashion having been a model. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, I was always very interested in clothing and, and I was like the weird <coughs> little kid that used to dress up, you know, and yeah, yeah, I yeah. was always sort of wearing a Halloween. Every day was Halloween <laughs> for me, you know, mm. I just loved that kind of thing. So it was sort of a natural progression, I think, into it. It's a nice confluence. You know, you have the, the dance and, of course, the modeling. Um, and then, you know, theater is like, you know, meshing the, the three into one. And Norm and I, we've talked about how putting on a costume sort of creates a character. You almost feel different, you know, especially period pieces and, and what have you. So I think it is real, real art. And I'm looking at the poster of Mesmeric Revelation. <laughs> That's when you and I first met. Yep. And I was oh. a stage manager. And, you know, it was a period piece. And, of course, with the... Um, with Central Works, the, the limited space, right? really the costuming, you know, sort of is part of the aesthetic. It's the, uh, it's almost like a set piece. You don't have any set pieces mm-hmm. in Central Works. So really costuming takes a greater emphasis. Right. That's what I love about working at Central Works because the theater is so small that every little detail on a person's costume will get noticed yes and you can do tiny little things like i remember with norman when uh, inspector general Mm -hmm. when you were wearing that weird trench coat and i put the smiley face sticker on the button i'm like (laughs) let's see if anyone notices that and i think you had like two different socks on or Mm -hmm. just like those weird little things that i'm able to do in that theater um, you know, as opposed to like Marin Shakes, where the audience is giant theater and, you know, you barely see the people, you can really add some interesting touches to things. A- and because there, you know, there really is no set. So right. they really rely on, you know, myself and Greg and, and Debbie, who does the props and um, to sort of set the scene. Yeah, you're right. And it actually accentuates the character. I mean, when a person walks on and you see the eccentric, eccentric, eccentricities that's it you got um, it yeah eccentricities of the costume without the without the person without the actor speaking a word you sort of know the character i mean you have a feel of the character so right. no, that's awesome getting back to your story so how did you get back into to, to, how did you get to the bay uh my husband's job okay he took a job out here and said hey do you want to move to california and it was weird because at the time um it was when Bush the Elder was in office and he was cutting a lot of funding to the arts right. mm. and so a lot of theaters were really struggling and it seemed to be like I was at this kind of standstill 
where I was in Chicago. And so I was like, well, okay, might as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And if it sucks, I can come back. (laughs) So Bush Sr., that would be the late 80s? Okay. Um, Yeah, and it actually was a little while after that. But, um, you know, it it was sort of the trickle down from all of sort of what he did. And I I actually came out here in um, 98, I'm going to say. I think it was 98 mm-hmm. mm. when I moved out. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, uh, <coughs> ac- I sort of accidentally got back into theater, and it's all because of this man right here, Norman. <laughs> it's such a weird, oh, my God. <laughs> he was the first person that hired me. In so, California. So tell me the story. <laughs> well, so that's what I'm trying to remember. Was that for Blackballing or was yeah. it for? Blackballing. So we did this wonderful African-American play. Uh, the This look at the African-American, the history of the African-American experience through sports. Mm. And so you've got four guys. One represents basketball, baseball. Boxing. Boxing and football. And mm-hmm. boxing was actually the last one, which is, but the whole show. Yeah. In fact, Elizabeth hit me up for the baby dolls. Oh really? Uh, for um, Pericles, <laughs> um, yeah. She she had one, and I have one somewhere, but I couldn't find it. God. And she wanted them for the show because actors needed to be able to you know hand it off on this side of the stage and have it come back in on the other side of the stage. Um, but yeah, um, it was such a weird concept, and you not only and that's the thing I didn't realize that you had such a directing background. You just totally took. It the concept of the play and realized how to make that work with not only with costumes but in a stupid ass playing space where we had to set up and tear down every night so there really was no fixed set it really was mm-hmm. what we saw the actors do and that was that was incredible black Ballin, and that was oakland public theater or that was oakland else? public yep. theater it was our first it was supposed to be a world <clears throat> premiere and then it got the world premiere got stolen from us by a company in sacramento so we ended up doing, I ended up cobbling together a bunch of little pieces, and then the next year we did blackballing. Mm. Really, really nice. And then the next year we did um, Run, Perfectly Run Perfectly Still, Still. which was yeah. a Civil War era play. And that was where I knew I had no problem. I'm like, Tammy, <laughs> help. <laughs> right on. But the best one of all of the things I think we did really was finding Claire. That was nice. Because yeah. we did this play that's about an adoptee, an adult adoptee looking for her birth family. And she's been raised as a sophisticate in New York. And she goes to Trailer Trash America to find her family. And Tammy and the lighting designer who decided he would be the set designer too started talking about uh, there's a whole theme of, of sculpture, rock sculpture in the play. And they were like, so we're going to do this lighting thing. And Tammy dyed all of the family's costumes in this gray. I mean, how would you describe it? Yeah, it was sort of, so it had kind of it, kind of a modeled, you know, I didn't do, um, I guess it would be bad dye. It was a bad dye mm. job. Ah. <laughs> because I didn't want it to all be perfectly Right, colored. it just sort of washed out just, whatever the original color of the costumes was. Yeah. But, so, so or overlaid I, it. 
it was regular clothing that then I just dipped into gray dye to give it this sort of feeling like it was almost covered in rock dust yeah. or right. something mm, like that. Interesting. And yeah. then the lighting designer made sure that the set <clears throat> matched that and the lighting enhanced it so mm. that when the adoptee comes in not in that palette, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a brilliant concept. I wish I could take credit for this because this is brilliant. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like it was a wonderful collaboration between you, the costume designer, and the lighting designer. Mm -hmm. I don't always see that. I mean, there have been as a stage manager, I've been through a lot of QTQs and tech or whatever. Mm -hmm. And usually everyone has their own concept within their own. Right. They stay know, in their lane. Yeah. And the director sort of tries to cobble everything together without stepping on anyone's toes. Sometimes it works, a lot of times it doesn't, and the director's like, listen, I just got to keep it going. Right. But it's wonderful when you have a collaboration where everyone is like, hey, even when it doesn't happen in cue to cue, like during rehearsal process, you have people talking to one another. Here's a question for you, Tammy. Um, do you sometimes talk to actors or collaborate with actors like, this is what I want to do with your costume or whatever, or do you leave that alone and just let the actors do their thing? I I'm wondering, uh, do you... Is there any sort of collaboration? I know you collaborate with the, the director, but um, does it extend to the actor? In a certain respect, yes. I mean, there's the obvious, uh, what do you need your costume to do? What, it, what do you need the functionality mm. of it to be? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, do you pull stuff out of your pockets? Do you, you know, um, is there, if you take this jacket off, is there anywhere to put it on the stage? You know, that kind of thing. Right. And, and it's always really funny, too, when I go to, like, you know the designer runs and i'll see actors i'm like hmm why is he taking his hat off right he doesn't have a hat <laughs> you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing mm -hmm. and then i have to talk to him is there a reason you feel like you need this hat right um but it, it, funnily enough the times when i've done that the most has been um i do shows at university high school mm -hmm. in san francisco and um they often do these sort of uh, casts of thousands because, you know, it's all the students. So uh, we did Putnam County Spelling Bee a couple of years ago, and there's really only, what, like nine people in that cast. But in their cast, there were 32. Mm. And they were just spellers. They were kids that were spellers in the background. And so there's no character associated with that. Mm. So we came, Susanna Martin and I came up with this, like, list of questions that we asked each of these kids, and they told me who their characters were. Mm. Oh. And it was fascinating i had one girl who said that you know her uh character was the richest 12 year old in the united states <laughs> okay oh. richie rich yeah and then there was one who was and they were so detailed too one was a russian immigrant who had just recently come to this country and her best friend was her cat hmm. Hmm. and so when it's situations like that it's really fascinating to sort of make a character when there is no character and in those situations, then yes, I talk to the actors a lot. And it, it happens in it, mostly in larger things like musicals, <laughs> where you have these people that are just like chorus members. Sure. And you don't want them to be two-dimensional looking. So, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times I'll ask them about, you know, what do you think this person is, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and again, in the designer <laughs> run, run, that becomes really obvious mm, when you see yeah. them doing things. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, now I know who that guy is. Hmm. Right. And I was also thinking about the budget. I mean, with Central Works, you, you, there's the luxury. I mean, I imagine you guys have a, a big 
what is it, clientele, or you have you have a big repository of, of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure a lot of costume designers, I mean, I've had some costumers in shows I've been in, they're like, listen, our budget's limited, what do you have? What do you have in your closet? You know, mm-hmm. can you bring something in? And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll bring it in. I, I sometimes wonder, is it my job as an actor to do that? But, you know, that's fine. Well, that happens mm-hmm. more in smaller theaters. Um, once you get into the world of equity theaters, yeah. then you are not allowed to do that. Right, right. And I have had um, equity actors that will say to me, you know, like we've tried 17 pairs of shoes and none of them are mm-hmm. actually working for them. And they say, I have shoes that I can bring in. And then it's okay because then we can just rent them from them. Right. Sure. But, I, you know, you can't say, hey, bring your own costume. <laughs> That's right, that's not allowed. Right, no, I totally understand. <laughs> there was one instance that happened. It was happened during um, a production of. It was at the um, Women on the Verge of Nervous Breakdown. It was at the Town Hall Theater. So, in any case, there was one actress, and she had confided in me because we're friends. She actually cried. She was like, you know, I talked to the the costume designer. I hate my costume. I hate mm-hmm. how it fits or whatever. And it was about size. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a bigger woman, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. costume designer just uh, didn't make her feel the way that she wanted. It was something director didn't notice. Right. And she was inquiring, I mean, the friend of mine was inquiring me, you know, sh- shouldn't I talk to, I don't know how to talk to this costume designer to make me feel w- wonderful, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have you, had, have you had those issues at all? Well, there's a big difference between I don't like my costume and my costume doesn't fit properly. Right. Um, sometimes people don't like their costumes because in their head, they had this other image of what this person looks like. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's then, you know, I sort of talked to them about why I've chosen what I've chosen for this mm-hmm. character. Because it's very specific. I mean, I don't just, like, pull something off the rack and say, here you go. Right, um, right. But if it doesn't fit properly, that is a totally different ball of wax. And one thing that um, I really... It just breaks my heart. I've had this happen several times, and just recently at at Marin Shakes, there was a guy in the show, and he was a big guy. You know, he had like a 58 chest measurement. He was a big six foot four big man. And so, you know, I brought him in. I had three or four different choices of, of costumes for him, and he got super emotional because mm. he said it was the first time anyone had ever had multiple choices of things that fit him. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. He said, usually costume designers bring stuff in, it doesn't fit me, and they get really frustrated. That sounds and like it Nathaniel. makes me feel bad. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's, that's not your fault. That's I, I worked their with fault. an actor like that a couple years ago. He just felt like nobody could ever fit him. Yeah. And, that, and that's a wonderful story because I think my friend was, that was the, I think that was the issue where the costume designer, who was a thin woman, and I guess she had a, an assumption that well, what I bring should fit, and you know I don't want to go oh. through the rigmarole of having to make it fit. Oh my goodness, who's who's this individual? You're absolutely uh. right. It's not the actor's fault. No, absolutely not. I mean, yeah. as a costume designer, you should be able to have clothing that fits everyone. Right. You know, right. I mean, that's your that's your job is to yeah. find clothing that fits the actors. Yes, that's exactly right. Norman, I had a question for you. Yes. I know as a director, you've had collaborations with costume designers, but what about as an actor? Now, I guess, uh, have, have you? Of course. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I, I said I'm doing Pericles. Um, the costumer who did As You Like It a couple of years ago says, you might recognize the costume. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Did y'all have a conversation about that fucked up 
what is it called? Broken glass pattern. It's this African pattern mm-hmm. um, that I wore, and as you like it. Now, the costume is fabulous. There's no question of that. It's mm-hmm. also tight as fuck. It was. It's <laughs> it's Chinese. Yeah. It's made for little Chinese man. <clears throat> I'm not even talking about their junk. My thighs are bigger than the typical <laughs> Chinese man's thighs, and my ass. They ain't got ass like that in China. So me getting up in them pants was always a... Because I had a dance routine. I actually had to do not a full splits, but a, a kick. Wow. And when I first did it, split and split and split. And finally, I was like, okay, so I'm going to give you the audience the energy of this. My toe is going to have a lot of energy, but my leg is not going up past here. Yeah. And I will not be surprised if they say this costume. And I'm like, okay. I, you know. Oh, boy. I the audience loved the costume and I learned to work with the costume. Yeah, which which is every actor's job. I was going to ask you, do you miss do you is there a part of you that miss maybe not acting but um directing? Do do you want to direct? Yeah, I mean I think I, I hope so. I, I, I love it. this yeah. question. I want you to direct. Oh, well, your okay. vision is brilliant. <laughs> Okay, then. <laughs> I shall. Um, yeah, there's a part of me that does, um, you know, because it was, it, I did it for quite a few years, you know, and I really enjoyed it while I did it. Um, and I think that having a background in directing really helps me as a designer, you know, I think it, 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 does. it, 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 it really does. does. Yeah. And, and, you know, I went to school it was a you know a conservatory program so I learned a lot of different areas of theater and I don't understand people that don't do that because the more you know about lighting the more you know about sound the more you know about this only helps you mm-hmm. in the, I mean number one it helps you get a job but mm-hmm. <laughs> when I first moved out here I worked for a um a video production company and I did sound and lighting mm-hmm. for like industrial films which was really interesting mm-hmm. um, but I you know I I, I, I do misdirecting it's I sort of miss the the just the I'm gonna say the nitty-gritty of it like the really getting into what is happening <coughs> in a play and I think that's probably why you know I I like working at Central Works because they're all new plays, mm-hmm. so there is a lot of that, and you know you have the playwright that right there, and even as a costumer, I can talk to them about things, you know, because playwrights tend to write things like you know she appears in a right. lavender gown, <laughs> yes. yeah, like really, <laughs> which catches the wind, yeah, yeah. It catches the breeze. <laughs> Or maybe well, they don't know what lavender is, or you know, they have no idea what it'll look like on stage, or how practical it is. Well, it was funny because we did a show a couple of years ago, and and um, I was talking to the playwright because he very specifically wrote that these two women that were twins were wearing vintage um, mauve-colored Chanel suits, mm-hmm. and I said to him, "That is never going to happen. <laughs> never, ever, ever." Ever, ever, it doesn't exist. Or if it does exist, there's no theater that can afford vintage <laughs> Chanel. Right. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. You know, and I just talked to him about the way he could phrase that maybe so he got what he wanted, mm-hmm. you know, without <coughs> being so specific. Yeah. I'm sure you know a lot about the history of fashion. Like, you know, what, 
is um, what am I trying to say apocryphal? You know, or what is? I'm sure you've seen as as a uh, uh, theater goer. You should see her doll collection. Ooh. <laughs> Vintage. Oh, you should, you you should have, have some pictures. <laughs> but I'm sure you've seen, let's say you've been, you've seen something on stage and you're like, this is set in 1850 and you see something it's like, oh, wait a minute, they wouldn't wear that in 1850. Well, it's interesting you say that because um, I am one of those designers and it, I think there are two, kind of two camps of designers mm -hmm. for costumes. One, there are those very period, historic, correct people down to like the underpants. Mm -hmm. And then there are people like me and I often do shows where the pieces are not historically accurate, but it gives me the right feeling. There you go. And I, I've had <coughs> Michael Berg, who's a, a, a costume. Mike Berg. Oh, uh, man, I would love to get him on. But I he, love he doesn't live here anymore. Michael Berg lives here, the costume designer. Oh, oh I think we're talking about You're a different Mike Berg. Yeah, we're talking about different <laughs> people. I, I know at least three Mike Bergs. Yeah. So. yeah. Michael Berg is a costume designer. He's designed in the Bay Area for about a million years. And mm. um, whenever I go, he, he uh, has a costume shop. And whenever I go up there, I'll be pulling stuff out. And he, at some point, he'll always say to me, because he always calls me by my full name, and he says, Tammy Berlin, are all of these pieces in the same show? <laughs> 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 yes, they are. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> um, mm. So, it, I mean, I, I guess I... It's funny because I guess I do know more than the average person about the history of fashion, but what I find fascinating is when I'm doing a show that is a time period that I'm not familiar with, mm -hmm. learning so much about the history of that time. Right. Because what people are doing in their everyday lives really informs what they're wearing. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, the sort of the social, the social mores of that time mm -hmm. um, are really reflected in the clothing that they wear. Yeah. So that's what I find super interesting is doing the research on it and seeing, you know, well, why were they wearing that? That's right. such an odd choice. Or, um, and, you know, I think it's 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 impossible to know everything about the history of fashion. It's mm -hmm. just there's so <laughs> much, but there's so much that people misunderstand about it too. Right. Like I always talk about when you do shows that are set in the 1920s. There's what is historically accurate in the 1920s, mm -hmm. and then there's what everybody thinks people wore in the 1920s. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And they're different. <laughs> right. Right. It was right. funny. I was watching Boardwalk Empire. This is a uh, television series mm -hmm. that happened yeah. a while back, and it was funny because uh, there were some women in the show who clearly drew back from the tradition. I guess they were wearing what their mothers would have wore mm -hmm. or what is proper or what will be acceptable, mm -hmm. which was almost a throwback to the 1910s or mm -hmm. you know the Gibson girls. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then there were some women who are very proactive, like let's say being on the beach, and they're like, you mm. know what, screw this. I want to wear what I want to wear. Sure. And let's say they may have come from a Europe, and they may have mm. you know, a different type of very, very almost avant-garde or very forward-thinking right. clothing, mm. which you would think, oh, wait a minute, isn't that more 30s or 40s? But they were just ahead of their time. Sure. Right, or when you see things that are done like you know, ancient Roman, <coughs> ancient Greek, and everybody's wearing togas, and they're right. all white. Right. None of them are white. Right. We think they're white because the statues are marble. Right. Ah, yeah. Right, right. You're right. But white was almost an impossible color back right. then. Right, Because there was no bleach. Everything was really heavily dyed. Right. With mm. fruit-based dyes and vegetable-based mm. dyes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow, that is fascinating. If you could direct, is there a show that you would want to direct? I mean, is there oh like a dream show? Oh, my gosh. No. I, not off the top of my head. I mean. Uh, Comedy, drama, musical? 
Because you, you came from a musical background. Well, you know, it's funny. I did, but I didn't direct any musicals. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, no. And even now as a designer, I do far fewer musicals mm-hmm. than I do regular plays. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I do love Eugene O'Neill. I love his stuff. He is one well, of my I favorites. Well, I keep learning. It's so funny because this year they they the feedback after our workshop was, um, we would love to know that you're teaching the kids about Eugene O'Neill. And I said, okay, so number one, none of y'all ever sit in on my classes, so you don't even know what I'm teaching. And I have been for the last three years pulling scenes in. But number two, I will satisfy you. I will do a 40-minute segment on the history of Eugene O'Neill and setting it in context. I got no problem with that. I just need it to be relevant to contemporary teenagers, mm-hmm. but I can do that. That's that. Those are hoops I can jump through. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to say that, you know, a show that I've always loved and never gotten to direct or design uh, is Long Day's Journey. Uh, yeah. Oh. yeah. <coughs> that would be a cool one. Wow. Well, no, that's, that was the first one I put scenes in because I knew as antiquated as some of it sounds and feels, when you get to Mary having her moment, and then you get to, is it Jamie, the young son, talking about being lost in the fog, mm-hmm. and that's what he mm-hmm. wants. I mean, that is completely connected to uh, Tennessee Williams' Cat on a Hot Tim Roof when Brick talks about the click mm-hmm. and what the click is. And if that is done right, there should be a chill. The audience should be chilled. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because it is an antiquated, <coughs> you know, the play was written a very sure. long time ago. But when you look at it and you look at the themes of it, is it really? No. O- I mean, opioid, opioid addiction? addicted parents? Are, yeah. <laughs> uh, that seems pretty timely to me. Yeah. So, no, I brought it in and we wrestled with the language. And then once they got the idea, they were chilled. And I was like, okay, my work is done. We can move on to some contemporary work now. Y'all can play and have a good time. <laughs> so I'm happy to do that. But I, I always want it to be relevant to a contemporary audience mm-hmm. and, yeah. and contemporary performers. As a performer, I want it to resonate for a contemporary audience, but I also want you to not lose what the root of this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yep. if, you did a, if you did a JFK piece and you didn't have mm-hmm. men in hats, how better on stage to show that moment of the impact of this man than to suddenly have men go, fuck it, I'm not wearing a hat anymore, when you had pictures of America everywhere for decades, everybody in a hat. If you were a man, you wore a hat. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I remember, and yeah. if you were a woman, you wore a dress or a skirt. <clears throat> and suddenly we come out of World War II and mm. things are shifting, and then JFK hits and bam, yeah. hat's gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about Central Works. What is this? I mean, we're now in our second summer of COVID, yeah. and, and it's hitting theater companies hard. Um, how is Central Works uh, coping? I, I know that you that you guys are still producing things. Yeah, it's they, been audio work for the most part. Yeah, yeah they're doing. Um, it's like a, a. It's sort of like a book club, but it's the play club. Oh right, the new. Yeah. Isn't that relatively new? The yeah. play club. Well, one? they just started it for yeah. COVID, and they're going back with uh, different scripts that we have done in the past years. Oh yes, there we go, the script club. Yes, and you know you can read the the script and then you can. Um, ask the playwright questions, mm-hmm. you know, the playwright and sometimes the director, depending on who directed it, and ask them questions about the play that they wrote. And I think that's a really interesting idea um, because I think it's a little bit different, you know, 
every theater was kind of scrambling yeah. to find some sort of programming that they could do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of them did, you know, live sort of Zoom, via Zoom or pre-taped or whatever, right. you know, plays. And I thought it was interesting um, that Central Works really focused on the scripts right. as opposed to the performances. Yeah. Um, and I think they have done, I think that they did do one, like, one of the shows that we were supposed to do, I think they did. Yeah, uh, I uh, think uh, Kimberly Ridgway was involved yeah, in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, um, oh right, they did mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. 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 And, um, but I think that, that, you know, it's really interesting that they have sort of gone the route of looking at the text and, and at the play because a lot of times, you know, people don't do that. Right. Right, and that's great. I mean, for the audience member to, be, to have, have a collaborative uh, part Mm-hmm. in creating the play by saying what works, what doesn't. It's almost like a reading, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, people can actually s- talk to the playwright directly. So yeah. I think that's pretty good. But as, I mean, as far as, a cent- I mean, money-wise are things, I mean, it's, I, I guess it's not open to the audience. I mean, it, yeah, no. are there any live performances? Okay. <coughs> no, well, those performance not live performances no. right. right now. So I think from what I understand, one of the biggest problems we have with doing a live performance is that, um, you know, you're required for the audience and the perform the performers the to be six or eight feet or something yeah. away from the audience. Well, Central Work stage is only nine works. feet yeah. wide. Sure, sure. <laughs> so what, like, the, uh, the the performers would be in the hall, yeah. you know? Right. I mean, I haven't talked to Gary or Jan, but, I mean, is it is it hurting? Because, you know, there are companies who are like, hey, listen, if we can't, if we can't bring in an audience then we can't make any revenue and we can't pay the rent and, you know, it's gone. So I'm wondering financially are things, I, I don't know I, if you could talk I, about I, that or not. I, I assume that they have an arrangement with with the uh, the city club. Okay. One. Yeah. Um, and they manage the space. So yeah. that puts them in a different position in terms, they're not just renters, they are they are um, curating, Basically, they are they are bringing things in. Yeah. Um, and at this point, anybody who's pushing any landlord who's pushing you to bring in revenue when you literally cannot bring people into your space is an idiot. Yeah. And there are lots of idiots out <coughs> there. Yeah. Well, and I think that Central Works has a very uh generous and devoted following of yes, subscribers. That's absolutely true. You know, mm-hmm. because it is all new works. It's right. you know, the the from I think where it's the only one in the East Bay that does all new works, almost any work yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that that you know because of these people, it's from what I understand we're fine. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's very very good to hear. I mean, you know, it would be horrible if Central Works were to go away. So I'm glad you know, that the it's last time I talked around. to Jan about it, it was like, <laughs> yeah, we're we're yeah. D- we're deciding where we're going. Yeah, we're deciding if we're continuing on this COVID track, mm-hmm. and I'm sure, like everybody else, they're looking at what everybody else is doing because who is it? Is it, it's Berkeley Rep, um, the Aurora, and was it the Magic? I think who all canceled their first shows of the season. Mm-hmm. So, and they didn't just do that; they did that because of a number of factors. But one of them has to be: is your audience telling you that they're clamoring to get there? Yeah. And I, I'd be suspicious of anybody who was saying yeah. they were clamorous to be crammed in with a bunch of strangers in a space right now. Yeah, you have to be respectful of. I mean, you just you don't want to threaten anyone's health. Yeah. Um, whether it be the actors or the audience. So, 
it's a drag. And, you know, all of us were chomping on the bit, you know, actors and audience members. Hey, we want to get into a theater. We want to see live theater. But mm. it is what it is. Right. It's best, best to be safe. But I'm glad that Central Works is doing well. And for those who don't know, and we've talked about this in other podcasts because we've had Gary on and Jan on, Central Works is very different where you don't just bring a playwright in and grab a play. It is crafted from beginning to end. There is no play when a playwright is brought in. You sit there, down there with are Gary some. and Jan. There, no, are, some there, there are some that they bring in that have been developed, but, okay. but they, the development process is still a core part of who Central Works is. Right, exactly. And, you know, hopefully the development process continues after because I think for a lot of playwrights, the value is seeing their show for right. a run, not just a one-night reading, not just a workshop, you know, not just a weekend sort of thing, but an entire run of a show and seeing where it goes and how the audience reacts to it. And they do have, the, you know, the talkbacks after, I think it's the Sunday shows that the playwright's there and the audience can ask them questions. And I think that that's, you know, valuable for playwrights who then, you know, and several of them have said, you know, oh yeah, now I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I know what where <laughs> I want this to go or right. to end up or to you know. So I think that's you know another thing that makes Central Works different than a lot of other just you know uh, new plays sort of theaters. Yeah, it's a discovery process from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. You know, discovering you know where the play can go or whatever. You know, from from the very beginning that you know it's crafted, and even in the very end after it's over. You know, you the, the the playwright has learned some things and can grow from there. Yeah. No, so it's awesome. It is seven o'clock, and I want to be respectful of people's time. One mm. last question: Where do you see yourself in the future? Do you are Ooh, you? <laughs> I love this question. Jeez. Oh, <clears throat> are you? I mean, it seems like you're happy with Central Works. So. Oh yeah, I am very lucky because the theaters that I work for on a regular basis, I I'm, you know, treated so well there and. Um, and you could share names. Yeah, well, have you, you worked <laughs> with other places other than Central Works, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the two that I currently do sort of I have a longstanding relationship are Central Works and, and Marin Shakespeare. And, um, you know, both of those theaters are – I love working at both of them for completely different reasons, mm -hmm. <laughs> obviously. Um, but I also, you know, uh, have worked – for many years with University High School, um, St. Mary's College. Mm -hmm. And you're a teacher as well, right? Well, not a theater teacher. Mm. Um, oh. oh. I teach sewing. I haven't for a while, but I used to teach at, at UC mm -hmm. in Berkeley. I had a, um, in their nice. like continuing education, right, I used right. to teach sewing, beginning sewing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I've gosh, I've worked with I don't everyone. Everyone in the mm -hmm. Bay Area, pretty right. much. Mm -hmm. Well, if you stay around long enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And if you're good. <laughs> well, yes, but there's still, you can be really good and stay in your own lane and you don't get to talk right, exactly. to other people and <clears throat> do it with other people. One of the joys of being a costumer is folks are hungry and they're like, hey, would you be willing to? And if it's an intriguing project, I'm sure you go, well, okay, let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just, I had a... a a woman called me about uh, doing a film and she was like I want to know what your rate is because I really like to work it into the budget so how much do you charge and I was like let's talk about what it is yeah because for me the project needs to be interesting to me right. you know right. I don't it, it, 
I have no desire to just like I, I always laugh and say I don't, I don't want to be the customer for law and order you know? <laughs> mm, right yeah, yeah here's a suit here's mm-hmm. another suit I got a suit for you <laughs> right you know right, yeah um it's something it has to be something that I find interesting and challenging in order to make it worth my while um you know and so I don't know where I would see myself in the future. It's it's really funny because having had this almost two years of not costuming things, um, there's a s- certain points of it where I was like, well, maybe I'm retired. Mm. And then there were moments where I was like, I'm bored. <laughs> mm. I need to do something. I need to, um, you know, and I started like sewing all sorts of crazy things for my friends and you know making yeah, yeah. american girl <laughs> doll clothes and you know, all which kinds is, of which ridiculous is cool my, my uh, aunts my aunt, if i go to my aunt's uh, house on my mother's side they have i don't know if anyone else does this but you know have you have toilet paper they'll yeah. make oh, oh yeah that's oh yeah over top of the yes. toilet paper yeah oh that's like a like that's yeah it's an old school auntie thing right yeah, yeah. very much yeah, my grandma used to have that sitting on the back of the toilet. Absolutely. I remember when I finally realized what that was because you go to certain houses and you're like, okay, that, there's that decorative thing. <laughs> there's that thing. doll again. <laughs> it's decorative, <laughs> but it's the same size. Yeah. And hmm. f- it took me a while to kind of go, duh, what's, yeah. okay. Yeah. I know yeah, what that is. That's very, very fun. And you're happy in the Bay Area. You, you and your husband aren't oh, picking yeah. up. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. And they're great people for the 4th of July. Ah, there you go. Oh, yes. And New that, Year's that's I right. I love the 4th of July. <laughs> right, Ridge and, and Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, we, that's, I always that's know I'm going to see you two at least, if not more yeah. than that, at least on the 4th of July. But, it, but at least gentrification is not, I mean, you know, like with the high rising prices and, and all, you guys are, aren't being, feeling, being pushed out. Well, they've out. got a place. You, you own your place, don't yes. you? Yes. Yeah. That was go. the smartest thing we did 15 years ago was to buy that place. Yeah, I'm sure when you're ready to sell it, it will go. Yeah. So, yeah, we, you know, and and I think that's another thing, you know, during COVID, we didn't feel, fortunately, we were not amongst those many, many, many people who felt really insecure about where they were living and were they going to be able to afford where right. they were living and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right. Um, so we were very fortunate in that respect. That's that's very, very good. Yeah. So no, that's fantastic. And you have a home, well, you know, you have your home with your husband and you have a home in Central Works. And uh, Marin, you're yeah. still with Marin, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and and, it's, and you know that is fantastic. And it's it's funny because it seems like every year I, you know, I'll sort of get a call from a theater I haven't worked with before, or uh, one that I haven't worked with in a long time. And it, it was really funny. Right before COVID, I had never worked with Cutting Ball, oh. and I'd always ah, wanted to because uh-huh. I really like what they do. You know, it's, it's a right. chance to well. see some is of that these. Paige Rogers, Paige Rogers is yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's been on, yeah. And so I went in and, and uh, was doing Cyrano for them. And, you know, like a week before we went into tech is when COVID hit. Wow. So oh, I didn't crushing. actually get to do a show for them, but I almost did. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm did hoping. You, did you still get paid for the work that you did? Or Oh, yeah. Oh, go. There you oh, go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's weird doing taxes. Actually, I've been looking over tax paperwork recently. And... Things that are not technically a job because I didn't do any work, but I got (laughs) paid. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh, and I have that with the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts where there's a period where I'm teaching classes and then everything got suspended and they kept cutting checks. I'm like, um, I don't know what to call that. Okay, well, it it was money. It was income. 
Yeah. Yeah. It came in. I had two shows that that happened. One was was cutting ball, and one was um, University High School. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, walking into two sort of back to back tech weeks, and then all right. of a sudden. I was not. Right. Yeah. That was me with um, Tiny Beautiful Things. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I still got paid the DMT. Yeah. The sad uh, man. I just hope the DMT. I hope it's coming back. You you know that they've closed. Yeah. It's Mm. pretty sad. What a a wonderful space. I think at the end of the year we should, as we get to December, we should do a what theaters are gone this year. Yeah. 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 We can put that out to people and ask them to chime in with what they know is gone because it would be nice to mark that yeah i mean it's been sort of weird and shocking and i know you and i were talking not too long ago and and uh you were like oh yeah you know this one and i was like oh i didn't know about them and Mm -hmm. you know there was one that i was like oh yeah and you were like oh no i didn't know about them right yeah no it's almost every month or so it's almost like a death in the family (laughs) well it is because you come to depend on these places to be who they are and what they are and at a certain point somebody goes enough and that's it yeah yeah. Or stupid landlord goes, well, we really need some money from you. Because, you know, the Albatross, they have their name. They have their liquor license. But the landlord was like, we need you to pay rent on this. And they're like, you know, our doors are closed. You know, the doors have been closed. Some so we have just don't no care. income. Yeah. Right. And if you want us gone, we will go. But, but guarantee you before you can reopen this place, we will be someplace else as the Albatross. And that's where people are going to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great if you can make that argument and the landlord understands. I mean, they're they're in a special position. There you go. There you go. Jeez. <laughs> well, yeah, they've been there for what, like a hundred years or something. No, ridiculous. like six. No, it's like they're sixty-eight or something. They're they're sixties, I think. Wow. Which I guess is old enough these yeah, days. But that's damn. pretty old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Let's get into birthdays. Shout outs. Birthdays. birthdays. Today, and I am, boy, I'm not a great uncle. Um, my niece, Paulette, it's her birthday today. Paulette Setzer. She's the mother of two wonderful children. And my sister moved up to Portland to be with them. And now they're all going to move up to Washington. I don't know the backstory, but hopefully I'll find out this weekend. Anyway, her birthday's today. Happy Prince birthday. Gomovia. One of uh, the Bay Area's wonderful playwrights. And I can say that because he is from here, but he keeps busy. So he's moving. Prince is constantly out doing stuff. Uh, Nathaniel Justiano. As I started to meet young men, and they were clearly young men, and I wasn't, and they were really talented. Natty, he goes by, is one of those. Just um, got all these circus skills. But if you never saw any of the circus skills, he's still an amazing actor. He's a wonderful performer. Um, His birthday's coming up this week. Daryl Ross, uh, who you might remember, Ridge. Daryl was in the readings for uh, Richard Wright before the dream. Yeah. What's he doing these days? Uh, Hopefully still surviving. I don't know. He's... he's, no, he's got he's, health he issues. Great. Yeah, so. yeah. I know he's up there, but uh, he has, he was a great presence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he had a way of just being relaxed on stage, which was wonderful. Ron Jones, um, who I keep thinking was Ron Chapman. And once I figured out it wasn't him, it turned out by that point he had done a show with Mara, my wife, and um, found out that I was her husband. I was like, oh, yeah, Norman G. And I'm like, who is this guy? Um, but he's a Bay Area theater actor. 
Um, Carrie and Ross goes again. Another one. Oh, you. I, no, no, no. I no, should no, have no. put an asterisk. That's okay. That's okay. You can say more than I can. No, no, Carrie Ann Roscoe, uh, I've met her, uh, Playwright Center for San Francisco, fantastic singer. We had her on. Yes. She's also a psychologist. I want uh, oh. a psychiatrist, psychologist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, behavioral therapist, I think. Right. Um, wonderful presence, and I remember acting with her. The last thing that we did, it was a Zoom reading, um, Neighborhood Stories. But in any case, she's a wonderful presence. When I put that on my list, I should have put an asterisk by it, because I usually do that voice. when I know you're going to do it. Just a great voice. I just, I'm in love with her voice. And um, Tammy, a name you might remember, Cameo Williams. Oh, yeah. Who was in Blackballing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could never, I begged him for years to try and get him to do anything else, and he just wouldn't come back. He's, he is married to basketball. Oh. Um, <laughs> Cindy, and oh, Cindy shouldn't be on there. Oh, gosh. I'm glad I didn't say a last name. That would have got me in trouble. Um, Evie Pazman... Oh, gosh. Zink? Zik? Z-Y-K? Pazmanzik? Yeah, young uh, performer that I got to work with. Um, Sarah? Sarah? No. What is her name? Why am I messing up her name? This is horrible. She goes on Facebook. She goes by S.J. Harrison. Susan Jane. That's what it is. Susan Jane Harrison. Um, amazing um, actress, uh, director, teacher, uh, Shakespeare aficionado, and woman with attitude. Love her. She, she is a very classy lady. Joya Corey, who has been doing improv here since I think I got to the Bay Area. Um, and I got to hire for um, Finding Claire. Right. right. She was Lily, the, gr- the right. grandmother in Finding Claire. Uh, and then a, another young person, Jesse Franklin Charles Vaughn. Man has too many fr- first <laughs> names. But um, um, he got to do a show with um, Anton's Well. And it was such a painful show. Like, I actually considered never going to another one of their shows because it was just so... It was a domestic abuse oh. show. Oh. And it was like you were like some of the characters. Was Kim Donovan in that? Yes, that one. Oh. Yeah, that she show. told me about that. It was horrible yeah. um, because you felt like it was also in a very tiny space. So you felt like you were like some of the characters, the next door neighbors overhearing and seeing this oh. and trying to decide what to do about it. That was the show that she did just before she did our yeah. show. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and she told me that, you know, she was relieved to have done such a stressful show in Anton's Well. Right. Oh, they were overlapping, weren't <laughs> yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, those shows were overlapping. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And so the thing with Jesse, though, is – Jesse, he was actually dating. Something about 112 Psychosis? I think that was the name of it. Um, maybe. Maybe. Never I think mind. it was Dirty Butterfly. Oh, you know what? You're right. Never yeah. mind what I said. Okay. Oh, my gosh. No, uh, it was such a hard show to sit through. And then after the show, Jesse, who was dating a woman who had been in um, Death of a Salesman with me, comes up, like totally recognizes me. Hey, Norman. Hi, hi, hi. And we've been introduced a few times. And all I'm thinking is, you were that asshole neighbor who just let this happen. And I couldn't, even as an actor, I could not release that. So I got online and like apologized to him because I felt so guilty. Hey, he did that great of a job. Um, A couple more names. Uh, Dorian Lockett, his birthday is coming up, I think, Friday. Um, Dorian is like the poster child of when I talk about what it is to be professional in Bay Area theater. He eventually got forced to join the union, but that was after years of auditioning for shows where it said that there might be a union contract, and he would audition, and they'd say, we want to offer you a role, and he'd say, what are you paying the union guy? And they'd say, well, you're not union. And he's like, well, but clearly you have the money, and you want me. 
And I mean, that was such a lesson in negotiating. But eventually, they he his star rose high enough that he did enough higher places where he finally got kind of forced yeah, into he, the he, union. Yeah, he is a name to be reckoned with. Go He's ahead. wonderful. And the last one is a playwright, Daniel Holzman. And I got to do a play that he and his buddy <clears throat> Nigel Berkeley did called The Nose. Um, it was um, Adelia or The Nose Play. Hmm. And it's a bizarre little sort of modern fairy tale of a play. And I've been trying to follow these guys since because I'm like, I want to see what you're going to bring back to the, um, his his partner you know, writing partner went off to school and I got to read one of his earlier plays, got to do a reading of one of his earlier plays this year. I'm like, I want to see what you guys are up to. I'm fascinated with what young people are doing that feels innovative and unique. Anyway, those are my birthdays for the week. <laughs> and uh, I could just kick myself because on Saturday, I should have mentioned Mimi Totten, who uh, birthday uh, is a couple of, maybe even a week ago. But in any case, uh, Mimi is just a fantastic uh, Asian actress, wonderful singer. We uh, did Godspell uh, at mm. the Presbyterian Church, uh, the Centerville Presbyterian Church, along with a couple of other uh, actor friends of mine. And she also participated in my little mini musical that I wrote, Nia. Uh, in any case, she's a wonderful presence. Uh, and also balancing motherhood because she's a wife, she's a wife, and she has a mother of two kids, and she's always uh, she just has a wonderful bubbly personality. So, mm. Mimi, happy birthday to you! Also, uh, a couple of these I'd mentioned already. Uh, Patrick Silvestri, his birthday uh, is was yesterday. A member of um, Bendelstiff. Uh, let's see, Joel Knopf. I've talked about. He is a budding uh, writer uh, who's participated in Musical Cafe. Um, Aaron Henney, and I'm sure you remember this name. Uh, he is the playwright who wrote Mesmeric Revelation yeah. at Central Works. That's how I got involved wow. in Central Works. And now he's in L.A., I believe, uh, doing fantastic things. Um, a new name, Ishmael Gonzalez. He is a young, young actor, and I, uh, I did sound work for, um, hmm, I have a visitor. I don't know who this is. Um, Somebody. Mara, maybe. Really, Mara? Yeah. Oh, she's coming. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I better wrap this up. <laughs> but in any case, uh, Ishmael Gonzalez, uh, he uh, was an actor. I uh, did sound for, um, oh, what is it? Heathers. Mm. This is uh, two years ago. Mm -hmm. In any case, he was uh, just a magnificent presence, and uh, I think he's like 21 or 22 years old. Okay, there we go. Uh, missed call. Yeah, it is Mara. I didn't know she was coming. <laughs> Oh well, gosh, I didn't tell you. Um, I'll tell surprise. you when we're done. Okay, okay. In any case, let me let me get through with this, and uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> we're so professional here. <laughs> Pamela Hicks, oh, I'm popping up. Pamela Hicks. Uh, she is a wonderful uh, musical uh, vocal teacher oh. who has uh, who has consistently worked with the, the Douglas Morton Theater. Ah. Anytime they've done a musical, she's been the vocal coach, mm -hmm. and she has coached me, and she is just absolutely wonderful. Mm. Um. And I think the last one, Michaela Bennett. Of course, we oh, know Michaela. her. Yeah. As a matter of fact, oh. there's a wedding picture of her that I see on her Facebook page. Some so I guess she's lucky guy. Married. Some lucky guy. She was involved in Before the Dream. Yep. Um, and I think that is it. And a uh, we mentioned uh, Carrie and Roscoe. Uh, David Brannon, he is a, a guy who graduated with me at Duke Ellington School of the Arts, a wonderful okay. artist who's working in L.A., and those are the shows that I have. I love throwing these in with these people who are not going to expect it. It's like, no, I went to high school with you. I don't think you do theater anymore, but it's your birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> and if you have any, Tammy, feel free to, to oh, throw them in. I don't think I do. 
Not this week. Ah. <laughs> Shows? Oh, and I also, um, I kind of flipped it because um, because of we're doing Wednesday. So I, I think I started, I started today, but I went through next Saturday because we'll be gone. I'll be gone this weekend and. And then we'll pick it up again. Okay. Uh, me, the only show I well, obviously Pericles, because because yeah. now I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have Bill Bivens' show. Do you have the info for that? Oh, uh, tell I me about that. I think he emailed you. Um, it's the latest one of his audio things. These. Um, oh, that's right. Uh, the um, oh shucks, what is it called? It's uh, the Bible. The Bible stuff. Yes. Um, um, pulp scripture. Pulp scriptures. Oh gosh, Lizzie Calgaro, Debbie DeReeder. I don't know John Mercer. Okay. But uh, yeah, the latest one is called Judah and Tamara. Uh, Poor Tamara. God kills her first two husbands for being sexual deviants. Their father, Judah, offers her his third son, but then goes back on his word. Stuck in a patriarchy with no chance of having a child, Tamar sets a trap for her father-in-law that involves a lascivious disguise and a baby goat. Yeah, for those who uh, don't know, the William, when we did the podcast there, um, Pope Scriptures are like, is a podcast, but it's like, maybe 15 minutes mm-hmm. of an adaptation of a Bible verse. And yeah. it has a very um, uh, quirky, funny spin yeah. to it. So by a, so by a wonderful cool. Bay Area playwright, Bill Bivens. Bill Bivens, yes. So let me run through these shows. We've talked about Pericles, uh, SF Shakes. Uh, it started August the 14th and the 21st, and it ends the 28th, I believe. Uh, September 4th, it which goes is live. Which this weekend. Right, which... Um, well, so, so September 4th, it will be live? No, uh, so the current piece that they're doing, yes. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I don't know how the online things work, but I will know soon. I will know within 48 hours. <laughs> okay, but you can click on sfshakes.org and we'll have that link. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three Chords and the Truth, that's done by the Edinburgh Fringe Online. It's a stage reading. It ends on the 29th. And it's a play by Lynn Aylward. And Alan Coyne, who is also in Pericles, is in this as well. Uh, Alan Coyne is in everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Cry of Curs, uh, an adaptation of Coralinus. Uh, we've talked about that on oh, right. Saturday. Uh, now I have more information. The Tabard Theater is doing yes. it. Uh, oh, it, Ken Kelleher in the Tabard Theater. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. John Williams, Jonathan Rice Williams is in yeah. the play. Nice. <laughs> is he Coriolanus? Uh, it sounds like it. I hope so. Letitia Duarte and Nick Mandrakia. I don't know if you remember Nick. I do remember Nick. Yeah, yeah. He's a fantastic presence. I've been on stage with him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He's in the show, so we have a link for that. Uh, Folk Tales from Around the World, Silicon Shakes. Uh, that is still going on. It ends on the 29th. Radhika Rao is in the show. Uh, Improv Life Classes, uh, Crystal Brown is still teaching that. That ends on the 29th, and we have a link for that. We talked about the Central Works Script Club. You'll download and read a play script, send in your questions for the playwright, and then listen to an audio interview for the from with the playwright. Mm. And it's delivered monthly, and we'll have the link to that. Shakespeare that ends on August the twenty eighth. Richard the third will be uh, playing uh, Lamont Rogel, and Cynthia Lagazinski is in that. We've talked about a wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. She has a um, she's producing a podcast, KCBS Radio called Connect the Dots, so we invite you to listen to that. Bendelstiff has a podcast called The Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. Check that out. Uh, a good friend of ours, Bridget Dutta-Portman, has a book out, The Twin Stars. She's a wonderful playwright, but now she's getting into writing books, and she has mm-hmm. a book called The Twin Stars, a young adult sci-fi fantasy novel that deals with mental health themes, and it can be bought on Amazon. Damn. That is it. Uh, it's, boy, it's getting, uh, the light has gotten dark I here. know. <laughs> Summer is over. Yeah, I know. 
Uh, Tammy, did you enjoy yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on uh, this uh, Wednesday afternoon, now evening. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and for those who are listening, uh, we're not on uh, YouTube because this is uh, pure audio. Because we're figuring it out. We're figuring it <laughs> out. We are, are on all the, your podcast apps. We're on the Apple's uh, iTunes app. We're on the um, we're on Spotify. And if you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com. And that is it. The A is created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Our official Twitter feed is the A3. We're also on um, um, uh, Sound, uh, Spotify. <laughs> Spotify. Well, yeah, we're on Spotify, but I we have a uh, Twitter oh, and Instagram. 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 Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. How about you, Tammy? Are you uh, on any social, social media? media? Absolutely, on, on Instagram. Are, okay. Yep. Berlin Designs. Berlin, Berlin Designs. Designs. So nice. definitely check her, check her out if you're looking for a uh, costume designer, fantastic costume designer, or a director. A uh, director. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's my future. Yes. There, what there am I doing in the future? <laughs> if Norman gets his way, I'll be directing. I would love that. Absolutely. And we <laughs> want if to... If you uh, get your way, I may be directing. <laughs> Excellent. We can co-direct. <laughs> exactly. All right. And the music is a little sped up, but I can fix that in post. Oh, yeah. As Norman and I always say, we, we got to find a better, better sign-off. Sign off. And we are out. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs>